Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Friends and welcome on into a glorious victory installment of the SCO Show. Mark Schofield back in the big chair for today, Monday, January 3rd, 2022. The first show of the new year. I hope all of you had a tremendous new year celebration wherever you were. Took it easy on, on New Year's Eve myself, although the kids did manage to stay up to midnight, which was which was always fun. And thank you all. Uh, for the birthday wishes, 45 feels pretty good. Although when I get done here, I have a, a day of shoveling ahead of me. A, a unexpected snowstorm hit the D.C. area, and the kids got an extended day to their winter break home today. So you might hear a little shouting in the background as they get ready to gleefully play in the snow and, and get to sled. And so enough of that. Let's talk the New England Patriots. On the heels of a 50-10 victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars, combined with a Miami Dolphins loss to the Tennessee Titans, your New England Patriots have clinched a playoff spot. Now, in the third part of the show, we'll talk sort of big picture stuff. Uh, But the Patriots are in. Now, where they end up, who they play, that will be determined in Week 18, and we'll talk a little bit about that later in the show. But the Patriots are in the postseason, which makes this a truly glorious victory installment what we're going to do today we're going to talk run game we're going to talk mac jones um i know there was a request to talk defense spot dropping versus pattern matching and things like that i'm going to do that and on part of wednesday's show so we'll get to that a little later in the week but before we do anything your usual cavalcade of reminders fall on with the hijinks on the stake map at mark schoolfield check out the work at a variety of places uh, USA Today's Touchdown Wire, Matt Waldman's RSP Quick Game Podcast, Billy Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, Blogging the Boys, and of course right here at Pat's Pulpit. Um, video stuff, both on YouTube and the Bird app. Got three throws up on a bunch of different quarterbacks today. Got the Mac Attack video already posted to YouTube. So so a bit of busy, busy morning. But we start, obviously, with the Patriots. And what they did against Jacksonville. And I, as I said, I wanted to talk about with the ground game. New England Patriots gained 181 yards, four rushing touchdowns on the ground in their win over Jacksonville. And Damian Harris had two of those. He had a bit of a lighter workload. Mondre Stevenson, 19 carries for 107 yards, two touchdowns, and is a finalist for the FedEx ground game player of the week. And so... That's really where I wanted to start. I wanted to start with Stevenson. I wanted to start with the ground game. Very impressive day. And I wanted to highlight a couple of different plays to show sort of how they're using Stevenson, what he's doing well, what the Patriots are doing well on the ground. The first play comes, uh, 723 mark of the first quarter. It's a first and 10 play. 
and it's really a nice little sort of pin and pull design. And it goes for 15 yards, and it's Stevenson, it's Stevenson's longest run of the game. And it really starts with the guys on the edge. Jonu Smith, Jacoby Myers, they execute sort of the pin parts of this, where you've got Jonu Smith in the slot, Jacoby Myers on the outside, and they both execute down blocks, where you got Smith working on Jihadi Ward, the outside linebacker, then you get Jacoby Myers working on the safety down in the box. It's actually a corner, a line is a safety, a Herndon. They get you your down blocks. That allows Andrews and when I mean, excuse me, Trent Brown to pull to the outside to get in front of this. And what I really also like about this play, the use of personnel on it, because you've got both Bolden and Stevenson in the game in the backfield. They're in the gun. They're both in the backfield. And it's a really nice way to sort of show them one look, do something different, because you might be expecting... You know, maybe something in the quick game realm. You might be expecting a little pass concept, although they do sort of condense the formation a bit. But then they use Stevenson on the run to the edge. You get the blocking that sets up really well for him. But then the ver the the burst upfield, the vision, and the ability to run through contact, which is something that my friend Matt Waldman highlighted on Stevenson prior to the draft. His ability to run through wraps, through weaker tackle attempts with ease. It certainly stands out on this play, and it stood out throughout this game. Another play to highlight, this is a run in the third quarter, 13-29 mark. It goes for just seven yards, but it's a little delay to the left side off a of counteraction. You get Shaq Mason pulling from his right guard spot to the left side. And what I love about this run from Stevenson, in addition to the footwork and the technique and the path that he takes, the cut-and-go ability. Because he's testing that left side. He sees a little bit of a crease breakout between Jonu Smith and Isaiah Wynn, who's down-blocking on this. And you get Mason on the pull. He sees a little bit of a crease. And just it's almost a jump-stop into an acceleration point upfield, putting a lot of stress on that left foot to get upfield to get seven yards. And it's a small little run. But I absolutely love it. Same thing a couple of plays later. 12-03 mark of the third of the third quarter. It's another first and 10 play. This is just fullback ISO. Under center, 21 personnel, old school football, offset eye. He's following Jakob Johnson to the left side. But he gets clogged up in the interior, and he's able to feel. He doesn't even really see it when you watch it on the end zone angle, the tight angle. He's more able to feel this crease on the backside and make a pair of jump cuts to get into the cutback lane and push this forward for an eight-yard gain. It's, it's a standard, basic, foundational, day-one install type of play, but the way he's able to make this work to the backside is extremely impressive because this is one of those, you see it in the Patriots playbook, those attitude plays, right? You're going to run the ball inside with some attitude. Uh, I talked about some of, some of those types of games after the, the first Bills game. This is an inside run play with attitude. But to be able to identify that crease, to feel that crease on the backside, make that pair of jump cuts, and then accelerate upfield, very impressive play. Also extremely impressive. Second and two, 40 seconds left in the third quarter. And... 
This play is just a simple inside zone on second and two. But you see the combination of traits from Stevenson. Initial little jump cut to get into a backside crease. The vision to find that backside crease. And then once he makes the decision, there's just no hesitation and he gets north and south in a hurry. And he runs through and evades a defender who's basically got him dead to rights. Russell, the Mike linebacker, is in the hole, is in position to make the tackle. But he doesn't. And he misses because Stevenson gets uphill and is able to just make him miss by a simple little cut back away from the flow of it. So he bounces it to the right a little bit and then comes back to the left a little bit, makes a linebacker who has him dead to rights in the hole miss in space. And you get a 13-yard gain on, an again, just simple inside zone, not the inside zone play that Chris Collinsworth believes was designed to push piles, which was a, a fun little thing pointed out on Sunday Night Football. But just simple inside zone, second and two, and you get a 13-yard gain. Stevenson has been a tremendous find for this team. And those of you who read Matt Waldman, who subscribe to the RSP, who get the RSP, probably aren't surprised by this. But his combination of footwork technique, strength, power, and vision. It's a great combination to have as a running back. And it's a great combination for this offense right now because as we all know, look, this is an offense that's built to run the football, predicated on the run game, and then everything you build off of that in the passing game. And so just wanted to take, to take some time and give a little shout-out to Stevenson, a little little ode, if you will, harkening back to the locked-on Pats days when we would, we would sit our odes and raise our glasses in the meat halls. Uh, to Ramondre Stevenson, who has been a tremendous part of this team, tremendous part of this ground game down the stretch here. Who had a fantastic day yesterday, so that was fantastic to see. Up next, we're going to talk some Mac Jones. Um, obviously, Mac Jones remains a focal point of discussion. We're going to talk some Mac, and a little bit later, we're going to talk about the big picture. That is all ahead here on episode 227 of the SCO Show. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down, we break down who will be cutting, cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hip. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Mark Schofield back with you now in episode 227 of the SCO Show. And it's time to talk Mac Jones. Because, of course, Mac Jones remains a focal point of discussion around this Patriots team. Yes, they're in the playoffs, but... How deep can they go? Yes, they're in the playoffs, but how good is their offense? Yes, they're in the playoffs, but can Mac Jones win them a playoff game now? And of course, those are big picture questions, which I said we'll tap into in the third segment of the show. But I did want to talk about Mac 
as I said, I've got the Mac Attack video up already. You can follow along with stuff there. I'm going to talk about some of those plays, some other plays that didn't quite make it in. Jones goes 22 of 30 for 227, three touchdowns, no interceptions. And yes, it's important to remember that came against the Jacksonville Jaguars, a team that looks to be in disarray, in dire need of some direction, in dire need of some, some changes up top. The fire, you know, bulky movement remains strong. My Twitter timeline, probably like yours, is still filled with clown face emojis with, with the Shad Khan mustache. Um, so they get some things to figure out in Jacksonville. So it's important to give this that context. Context, excuse me. But I do think this was a good game for Mac Jones. It was a particularly good game because the weekend and the opponent provided a get-right opportunity and they didn't squander it and Mac didn't squander it. Again, 20 of 30 for 227, three touchdowns. I think a play that sort of stands out to me, a third and five early in the game on their opening possession where Jacksonville shows blitz. And you see him, you see Max sort of adjust the protection, bring Bolden up into the sniffer alignment. But then from that mug look, they drop off. They drop off and they just play sort of zone coverage. They rush just four. And he has to climb the pocket, reset his feet, reset his eyes, reset his post-snap expectations. But he's able to find Myers for a decent gain, pick up a 14 on 35 to move the chance. I mean, that's the kind of stuff you need your quarterback to do. The touchdown, the first touchdown to Wilkerson, who had a fantastic game, came on that little sprint concept that we've seen so many times over the past couple of weeks. You know, there was the, the interception on it, you know, against Indianapolis. You know, missed fourth down opportunity as well. But they hit it for a touchdown in this game. And it's a great job by Jones, not only of getting from his first read to his second read, because the rub concept, it's designed to get to Bolden in the flat. That's your first read. Jacksonville, to their credit, they were ready for it. They were squatting on it. They had it double covered. So Jones has to roll out and get to his second read, which is, you know, Wilkerson coming across the formation from left to right. So he spots it and he makes the throw and it's great and it's a touchdown. But you watch the tight angle. You watch the end zone angle of that play and it gives you a view sort of looking at Mac Jones, not from behind, from in front. After he picks up Wilkerson coming across the formation... He then looks to his third option just for a beat. And there's an underneath defender that kind of gets caught frozen for a split second. And it helps create that window to then throw behind him for the touchdown. And so I thought that was a tremendous moment. He had a, an incompletion in this game on a smash concept. 8-17 mark of the second quarter where I love the aggressive decision. I absolutely love the aggressive decision. He's trying to hit Hunter Henry on the deeper route. Freezes the curl flat defender the corner. You know, flashes ball just for a split second. That's another thing I've noticed from Mac in recent weeks. He's, he's flashing ball a little bit. They're not sometimes full-on pumps, but he's clearly somebody that learned from Saban because a lot of defenders, corners, safeties, they won't break until their arms separate. So that left arm, that, that offhand comes off the ball because that's the sign that, oh, he's going to throw now. So Mac will just use that to his advantage. And on this play, you see him sort of separate the hand from the ball just a bit. Make it look like, yeah, he's going to throw that route to Myers in the flat. 
and then the reset to throw the deeper out. Now the corner recovers and gets a hand to it and tips it, but I love the thought process, the technique, the mechanics, the, the flashing ball a little bit on that play. The rough and the passer play. I would have loved to have seen him, and I was actually talking about this with Evan Lazar, I would have loved to have seen him take the deep shot there. He's got born on sort of a slot fade vertical route on the left side of the field. He comes off of it early in the down there in single high cover one and gets his eyes back to Myers, who's running sort of that circle seven corner route. That ends up being the route that the safety helps on. I would have loved to have seen Mac Jones let that slot fade, slot vertical go to Jacoby, to, excuse me, Kendrick Bourne on that one. But he doesn't, and he ends up getting sacked. Now you get the rough for the passer penalty. But still, that's a moment where I think there's a play that, you know, kind of get an opportunity to like left on the field. But still, I like the fact that he took the earlier deep shot to Henry. Would have loved to have seen him take one there. Last play I really want to talk about, the touchdown to Myers. I'm a big fan of mirrored passing concepts. This is a great example of, of mirrored passing concepts and kind of why I like them. Because on this play, you've got inside receivers running to the back corner, outside receivers running slants. And now, with half with mirrored passing concepts, they could be a man zone read, they could be a prior progression read, they could be a matchup read, or they can be kind of a field read. And sometimes, you know, you just take the short side of the field, easier throw, right? Here, they throw it to the wide side of the field, and I love the fact that they did that. And I think the reason is that route that Myers is running, that sort of slot route to the back corner, kind of like a, a corner route. Reverse slant, you could almost call it. They need room to run it. And if you've got Hunter Henry on the other side, ball on the right hash, he's running on the right side, he's going to run out of real estate pretty quickly. But instead, you throw it to Jacoby Myers, working to the field side, he's got a lot more space to work with. You've got a lot more area in green to drop this throw in. You're not really dealing with that sideline so much. So you can put air under it. You can lead him to the point where it's either... He's going to catch it or it's going to fall harmlessly incomplete. Whereas if you try to sort of squeeze it in to the right side, the short side of the field, you might not get enough on it. You might sort of underthrow it a bit, bring that underneath defender into play. So I love the read, the idea, and the placement and the execution on that play. But overall, you know, watching it, rewatching it, I liked what Mac Jones did. I thought it was a solid day against an opponent that, you know, you had an opportunity to get right. You had an opportunity to sort of take advantage of, of the situation, the week, the schedule, and all of that, and you go out and you take care of business. So I thought it was a good day for Mac Jones, a good day from the passing game. Are there things they could still improve upon? Absolutely. Are there opportunities still presenting themselves downfield? I'd love to see them try. Yeah. But all in all, as we'll talk about in the moment, they're in. And that was job one, and they've accomplished that. So... Up next, we're going to talk a little big picture. To close out, episode 223, 227, excuse me, a glorious victory installment of the Sco Show. Mark Schofield back with you now on episode 227 of the Sco Show. And we zoom out a bit and go big picture. And before diving into playoff scenarios and what could happen in week 18 and potential matchups and things like that, I always think it's important to sort of take a step back and, and go back to August. Go back to that day, for example, when the New England Patriots decided they were going to release Cam Newton and they were burning the boats and going 
full speed ahead with Mac Jones as their starting quarterback. And I think if you would have told Patriots fans at that moment that they'll be in the playoffs, though, they would have said, sign me up. Sign me up for that. And yes, they spent a lot of money in the offseason. And yes, they had a relatively favorable schedule. You know, getting Jacksonville in week 17 is a nice little way to close out this week, close out the season, excuse me. But you still had to play the opponents in front of you. You still have to beat the opponents in front of you. And I think it's important to give what the Patriots have done this year this little bit of context. Again, as, as somebody that writes for different outlets covering different teams, I do work over at Blog and the Boys, and right now there's a section of Cowboys fandom that is looking at what that team has done this year and said our best win is against the New England Patriots. A 10-win playoff team. And it was back in October. But there's something to be said in that little tidbit about what the Patriots have done this year and what the Patriots have accomplished this year to get back to the playoffs after a year missing out, to get back to the playoffs with a, a rookie at quarterback, with a lot of new faces, at the offensive skill positions. And yes, we needed injections of talent. And yes, there was a need to address the quarterback position. So it was going to have to happen sometime. But to get back immediately after doing that is, is a testament to, to the men and women in that organization, in that locker room, on the field. It's an incredible accomplishment. Now, that being said, obviously the job is not done for the Patriots. And who they'll be playing in the wildcard round remains to be seen. Of course, there is a pathway to the first overall seed. There, there are scenarios where you could see the Patriots still get the first round by. It's not locked up for Tennessee just yet. Now they would have to win down in Miami. They would need the Bills to lose or tie to the Jets, the Chiefs to lose to the Broncos, the Titans to lose to the Texans. And Yahtzee. Obviously, that is a narrow th- needle hole to thread. But it's doable. And of course, there's still a pathway to the AFC title. New England wins, Buffalo loses or ties, they win the East. New England ties, Buffalo loses, they win the East. And so, still a lot left to be playing for here in Week 18, but there's more to be played after that. Now, who might they play? Well, if it were right now, it would be Cincinnati. Which, yeah, that looks like a pretty hot team right now. Cincinnati Bengals, obviously a huge win yesterday against the Kansas City Chiefs, and they certainly look like a team that you don't want to see right now. Burrow is playing extremely well. Jamar Chase is playing extremely well. And yes, I do believe that Chase probably is your favorite odds-on favorite for the Rookie of the Year with good reason. You know, his day yesterday, putting up those kinds of numbers on a holiday weekend... It's going to impress a lot of people that turn in ballots. You know, it's it's partially why, you know, Aiden Hutchinson might have gotten the invite to New York City because he has a nice, huge game right after Thanksgiving when everybody's watching while Will Anderson put up better numbers, but that's an argument for another time. So they might get Cincinnati. They might get Buffalo. I mean, a, a lot remains to be seen. A lot of things could shake out. And really, you look at the seven teams that are in right now, Tennessee, Kansas City, Cincinnati, Buffalo, New England, Indy, L.A., they all have strengths. They all have weaknesses. 
I think it will be a fascinating matchup no matter who they play in the first round. Whoever comes out of it is going to be battle-tested. Same certainly goes for the NFC. I think the matchup of Jamar Chase versus J.C. Jackson would be something to watch. But the Patriots now in the new year and the new dawn are in. And that's something to be celebrated, something you should be happy about as a Patriots fan. Obviously, a lot of football left to be played, but they're in. Now we hop on for the ride. That will do it for today. I will be back Wednesday. We'll talk Patriots defense. We'll talk to Miami Dolphins. Talk some more stuff about that. Until then, friends, stay safe. Wash your hands. Shake on your neighbors. Shake on your loved ones. And when you wash those hands, sit along. Bless those Patriots reigns. Down and far.